We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we are back for another episode of the podcast. So I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm tweaking, I'm running around, um, and by tweaking, of course, I mean my knobs, and of course, by my knobs, I mean on my recording device. Uh, so it's, um, uh, there were a lot of corrections to be made uh, in regards to the previous episodes. So one of them is uh, this song uh, by Nico Vega, Beast of America. Uh, the reason why I couldn't find it in any other version than this one is because this one doesn't actually exist. Uh, this was sort of a hybrid that they used for uh, the Bioshock commercial, but was not uh, uh, on any album anywhere. And some dude just uh, apparently, so what the deal is is that the beginning and the ending parts are the acoustic versions of this song. And then um, the middle part is the rock and, uh, rock and roll version. And apparently they released uh, like a whole acoustic album, although I don't know why, because it's like, do you have that many hits already for a band that no one's ever heard of? Oh, yeah, all right, I know someone's heard of them. But really, so this dude online just was like, yeah, you know, I really like this song. I can't get it any other way. So he just took the beginning and the end and then mixed it together with the thing. And it sounds awesome. It sounds way better than the actual song. So kudos to you, dude. And uh, shame on me for not actually reading the Facebook or the uh, YouTube, uh, co- you know, description of the item. So uh, in, in uh, addition to those corrections, uh, so um, part of, uh, you know, the uh, Julia Hay, so this is so minuscule and minute, no one cares, but I care. And I want to set the record straight. Uh, when I met uh, Julia Hay, who was uh, featured as the one of the musical guests, I don't know, music, music, yeah, music, uh, on the previous episode, I said that she, uh, I found her at the Owl and Monkey, that is not true, I remembered incorrectly, it was Tart to Tart, uh, in which uh, I saw her playing on stage, and, um... And I don't know if this is really a correction per se, but really, uh, what was up with my bad Italian accent? Like I was listening back to that episode where I was talking about Moonstruck, and I swear, uh, it all sounded like Borat. Everything was Borat, which is annoying because that's just such a thing that's sort of played out and done to death that we certainly don't need. Uh, Okay, so... Um, we've got, I've got a lot more movie reviews. Uh, why don't we just dive into those? Uh, so first of all, let's start with uh, a couple of good ones, right? You know, I, I know last time was just me, uh, crapping on movies, and certainly there's gonna be more of that, uh, in this episode. But, um, so two movies that I saw recently that I really, really liked, uh, one was Iron Sky. So, this is a crazy movie. 
um, the the uh, premise of this is what if in 1945 uh, the Nazis established a moon base on the far side of the moon and you know we ha- I don't think we've ever been to the far side of the moon um, maybe we have I don't I don't think so I think it's just too far away because you know of course as the moon spins it always that far side is always on the far side away from us. Of course, that's the whole idea about there being a dark side of the moon isn't true, uh, because the moon does spin, so it does get you know sun at some point every every once in a while. So uh, okay, so 1945, Nazis go up there, uh, and then in like 2000, I think it's supposed to be 2016 or 2018 or something. Anyway, in the future, um, uh, Sarah Palin is running for re-election. So she's already been elected. Well, I shouldn't say that. They All they say is she's president. So if we want to believe that she was, you know, vice president and then, you know, the dude died or whatever and then she got in, whatever. So she's running for re-election and her big idea to invigorate the electoral electorate is to go back to the moon but of course, to be racially insensitive and sensitive all at the same time, the campaign is called Let's Go Black to the Moon because she wants a black guy to go up there and like sort of plant another flag in the soil. Genius, right? So the deal with this movie is uh, it was done by these uh, Swedish, I think they are, uh, filmmakers. And their deal is they... Uh, made this weird fan movie called The Perkinning, which is, uh, it's, um, what if Star Trek and Babylon 5 existed in the same world? Now, I know what you're saying. Really? You went with Babylon 5? You didn't want to go with Star Wars or something? No, Babylon 5. Really? Okay. All right. Sure. Babylon 5. So I guess maybe because Babylon 5 has a spaceship that's relative size to anything in Star Trek, whereas there really isn't. I guess they got Star Destroyers or something. I don't know. So that's what they went with. They made this fanfic. Of course, you know, all that shit's copyrighted, so they couldn't make any money off of it. By the way, this is Zerkus in the background. I know I've played Zerkus before. I I picked this song uh, because I I I remember it has fond memories of it for for me because I ran into the lead singer of this band uh, in the Edinburgh pub Edinburgh Edinburgh pub in uh, the shittiest neighborhood in San Francisco I'm gonna go with the Tenderloin being the shittiest neighborhood I know a lot of people like to say Hunter's Point but yeah I'm gonna go I'm gonna go out on a crack pipe here and say uh, it is the is the loin so anyway um, I saw him there at the at the bar and I immediately recognized him because he's a big dude with facial hair. He was, just take my word for it, he's very, he jumped out. Um, so I, you know, hey, I'm such a fan, all this stuff. And then we got to talking about this song and he said, yeah, you know, um, the SF Weekly gave it a bad review. They said it was, you know, too vague. And I was like, and he was like, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's a song about fog. It's supposed to be vague. And I was just like, this is one of those times where I was in the moment. I felt so good about it. And I was like, no. Uh, And I quoted the line to him, which is long since past the heck. This song's almost over, which is, um, don't you know you sparkle when you smile? I guess I should have put that off for a little while. And then she just looked away and sparkled. 
like those three lines, you know exactly the scene, the mood, you know exactly what he said, how she reacted, which is uncomfortable and weird, even though she still found it charming. And and I so I told him that, and, and the, the ability to just, you know, pull that baby out, he was like, yeah, wow, okay, cool, yeah, wow, thanks. So that was, that was kind of cool. Anyway, so that's what makes me like that song so much. This is the Tories. It took me a second. I don't, I don't remember this song. Uh, they did a theme song. The only reason I know about it is they did the theme song to uh, that Christina Applegate show where she played a waitress. And uh, and that's it. I think that's the only success they've ever had. This song I found on mp3.com. But anyway, back to Iron Sky. Iron Sky. Um, boy, uh, so they, they made this fanfic movie. And then that got enough excitement about it, but they didn't seem to go the traditional movie funding route. Um, it looks like in, in reading the credits and reading about this movie, it appears that they went to the various film commissions of various countries. Yeah, this is an interesting thing. Everybody but the United States and maybe India has film commissions to try and get people to make films. Like, I, I remember we did this thing in college, this whole project we did about the Canadian film industry and then you just have to like write a proposal up and submit it and then they'll give you money for your movie. Crazy! So um, that's apparently the way they did it. They did this partnership between like the Swedish film industry and the German film industry and they got all this money from them and then... Uh, they launched a, like a Kickstarter campaign to be like, look, all that other funding is great, but we need a little extra more. So then they got like almost a million dollars in crowdsource funding as well. Based on this fanfic, you know, fan film that they made. And it, it, the fan film is tremendous in the visual effects. Like the story, the acting's all crap. But the, the effects are amazing. I mean, you literally, you could put them up against, you know, the next generation, Star Trek The Next Generation, and you couldn't tell the difference. And this is, this is a thing, this is kind of a weird thing, too. Like, it really worked out for them that they made this fanfic, pick, fanfic, pick, and, oh, fick it. Uh, and, and yet, I do a lot of this stuff, and it kind of seems when I do it just sort of sad and pathetic. And like, I'm always shitting on the people who write fan fiction. Like, you know, there's a whole website that's just nothing but, you know, tons and tons of fan fiction. And it's all just gross and weird. And it's like, you know, Spock having sex with Kirk and, and a lot of sex. Like, a lot of, a lot of characters just getting it on and it's not well it's not good it's not it's not it's not even hot it's just gross and lame and i'm doing this my fanfic you know my little fan art that's what i do i do a little fan art for you know podcasts and whatnot and it's just you know it's what i do in my commute and on, on the one hand i try to fool myself into believing like oh you know this is cool i'm you know utilizing this 3d program and my 3d skills and i'm trying all this stuff and it's just no 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 I'm just making goofy, shitty fan art that will never be done with. I'm never making this <laughs> movie out of it, you know. 
But anyway, so just to get back to, to Iron Sky, the cool thing about Iron Sky is it's actually a good movie. The plot's interesting, movie doesn't carry on too long, of course the effects are amazing. One other movie that I just saw that I really, really loved was, uh, oh god, you know, I'm only drinking water and I'm getting super gassy over it, I don't understand. This is a band larger than life. Uh, coming, you know, again, if all of this movie, sa- all of this movie, if all of this music sounds, you know, 12 years old, that's because it is. Uh, so um, the other movie I really liked is Seven Psychopaths. So it's a, a movie. Uh, I'm not going to explain the plot to you. Let me just tell you that it's Woody Harrelson, Sam Rockwell. Um, Oh, oh uh, uh, Christopher Walken, uh, and lots of other good people in the, in the movie. I can't remember all the psychopaths, but it's it's a really, really good movie. Um, it's uh, very Quentin Tarantino-esque uh, in a way, and but I, I highly recommend it. And, and honestly, there really is no way to explain that movie. So... Um, I, one of the things that, that I was thinking about at work the other day, uh, we were talking about the old uh, Lost in Space TV show. And it really is amazing. Like, when you compare television now to television then, it's really amazing just how they didn't have a clue as to what they were doing. Not only did they not have a clue, they didn't give a shit, right? So, like, Lost in Space... You know, when they redid it and they did the movie, they got Gary Oldman to play Dr. Smith, and he was kind of, like, creepy and weird, but but still, you know, semi-believable as being in the military, as opposed to, you know, 1960s television Dr. Smith, who... If, if you did that on television, people would say that is the most offensive gay stereotype we have ever seen. Ever. I, I mean, it's just, you know, that dude, Jonathan, what's his bucket? You know, just, oh, the pain, the pain, dear boy, no. And it's like, and it's like the pain, you know, this, this whining and complaining that he's doing is because he's asked to lift a box from, you know, six feet in one direction. You know, it's not like he's actually in pain. He's just a puss. And how he ever got into the military makes no goddamn sense. And, you know, one minute in basic training. And it's not like there was a draft on. Like, this is the future, right? They're sending a mission into space. There's no draft going on here. How's this guy... And what's even stranger than that is the whole reason he gets on the Jupiter 2, which is their little spaceship, is... He he's running from the military police, and so he ducks into the spaceship, the very very secure spaceship, uh, in order to evade them. Great plan, just genius plan. Like wow, really? This is the best you could come up with. Okay, all right, 1960s TV. Well, you really didn't give a shit, did you? Just didn't even care.
This is the Ataris. Uh, for uh, those of you who have, remember I played them before, this is just another song uh, that they threw up a long time ago on mp3.com. But I'm going to stop saying that now. Just assume that all that this is where all that music came from. It's too bad about that website. That website was really great because you could just like hit a play button and then it would just play all like it was its own radio station. It would just go through and play everything um, as if you know you were just. You know, listening to the radio, except it was mp3.com. It's really, really cool. Oh, so um, I I went to that performance that Richard did uh, before he went into the Peace Corps, and I, you know, it was good. I, you know, one of the things that was kind of sucky uh, was that he's got this bass player that he wanted to come down with him to play this gig with him, and the bass player kind of pussed out and he was like, yeah, well, I got this kid and, you know, I, if, if you're already going to be in the city, that means I have to drive down. I'm not going to do it. And I was just like, my God, man, what, what a shithead. You know, this is like your friend. He's going in the Peace Corps. He's going for two years minimum. And you just can't be bothered to drive. I mean, you can't, I don't, I mean... He can't, you can't crash on his couch later and then drive up tomorrow? Like, I just, that whole thing was kind of super shitty. But you know what, look, I can't really complain that much because I am dealing with my own bouts of selfishness right now uh, with some other issues that are going on where people are like, you know, people I don't really know all that well, but you know, I feel for their position. Like they want me to like take in some of their family members and I'm sort of like, yeah, no. No, I don't want to do that. I'm, I really kind of like the, my life the way it is right now. But then again, wait a minute. Hold on. I'm going to stand up for myself. I am talking about the difference between me taking on a minimum, you know, four-year commitment as opposed to just one night of inconvenience. That motherfucker should have driven down. About six months ago, someone came by with the petition. Said we want to stop these folks moving in next door. I refused to sign and told them everyone was welcome Cause that's what neighborhoods are for So, um, so I asked Richard uh, about, you know, I, I, as I was leaving, I shook his hand and I said, you know, I really hope you find what you're looking for in the Peace Corps. And he just laughed. And I was just like, really? You don't think that you're seeking something? You know? I bet, but I asked him, I, actually, I asked him earlier in the night about, like, why he chose to do this. And he said, well, you know, it was something he always had thought about doing, but he wanted to do music instead. And uh, now that he's 44, oh, yeah, that's another correction. He's 44, not 45. Uh, he's 44, he, as he said, I'm single, I'm not in debt, so why not? I'm just gonna go to the Peace Corps. Okay, well, <laughs> I, no, no way in hell I would ever do that, but uh, whatever floats your boat, man. Oh, and speaking of music, um, we went to go see, uh, oh my god. So, the wife and I were talking the other night about, you know, what would make us move from this house because we don't ever we love it here and we, we don't ever want to move but um you know we were sort of you know shouting out like various ideas i was at work uh yesterday and i found out that 
the Marin County Fair gets way better musical acts than we do in San Mateo. And I was like, oh my God, I might want to move to Marin. Yeah, if I could afford it. Sure, that sounds great. I could see, I could be seeing Weird Al this weekend if I lived in Marin. Now, mind you, I could drive up anyway, but god damn, on a Wednesday, I'm going to drive all the way to Marin? Oh, oh, hell no. Our lips stuck to their So, uh, you know, we used to get good musical acts at the San Mateo County Fair. You know, we got uh, Rick Springfield and uh, Night Ranger. Okay, then we also had some Mario Speedwagon and some Air Supply. But still, you know, they were named acts, you know, that were in the last 20 years. Or 30. Um, you know, and, and then this year we got uh, Three Dog Night, which, God, I don't even know if there's even one original member in that. And Miriam was a big fan, but she couldn't make it. So, and then and then so we wound up going to see um, uh, the Aerosmith tribute band Aero Rocks. Oh, first of all, terrible name, terrible name for a tribute band. You don't name yourself like a weirder version of the name of the band. You always name your tribute band. This is this is this is tribute band lesson one, people. You, you name your tribute band after or something similar to one of their popular songs. So, you know, if you were Aerosmith, it would be uh, Toys in the Attic or, you know, uh, if you're Night Ranger, it would be Rockin' in America. I don't know. If you're police, it's Walking on the Moon, right? Another one from the vault, Alex Vela. Um, so, uh, so the other thing that's really weird about the tribute band is, you know, these guys come out and they, they, they try to look as much like the band as possible. The other, the, the weird thing about the Aerosmith tribute band is because Aerosmith is still touring and still making music, I think they're still making music, that, that that idea of like, oh, we're gonna come out looking like them, it's kind of a moving target, right? Like, you can't really say like, I mean, I mean, Led Zeppelin, it's like, right, 1970, whatever, you know, the song remains the same, you know, the very, very low, tight jeans, like, that's what you do. But, but with Aerosmith, it's like, I, I don't know, what, what version of this are we doing? So they got, they clearly got custom wigs, at least two of the dudes, to look like Aerosmith. Like, the guy who is the Joe Perry clone has the, like, two-tone dyed, you know, bit in the front, but it's all, it's all clearly a wig. And, and, god damn it, man, that is a level of command. I mean, again, talking about fan fiction here, like, Holy cow, what are you doing, right? Because I looked on their schedule. They're only playing 20 dates a year. So you can't make a living out of that. And at some point, you just got to say, like, what are we doing, right? Why Do I really need to schlep all my gear? Because these guys are from Los Angeles. They introduced them as being from Los Angeles. Do I really just haul my shit around every single weekend? to, well, not even every, every other weekend to San Mateo or over here, over there. And I guess most of their dates are in Los Angeles, to be fair. But you know these guys are computer programmers and, 
you know, whatever, roofers. I don't know what these guys do. But, but and then and then the other weird thing too is it's like, well, how strict are you guys gonna be, right? About the whole Aerosmith thing. Like, you know, Joe Perry plays Gibson guitars. He probably has an endorsement deal with him. He plays Les Pauls most of the time. So what if this guy shows up with like a Fender, you know, one day to practice and does like everybody jump up his ass like, hey, whoa, 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 Biff. Biff the guitar player, what are you doing over there? Joe Perry wouldn't play that. Or, or is Joe Perry, or all these guys so insanely committed? Like, are they all on the same page? Or is there just one dude who's like, all right, all right, all right, I'll wear, the, I'll, I'll dye my hair. I don't care, just shut up, all right, all right, all right, all right, fine, fine. And then, and then, you know, the lead singer, oh God, the lead singer, he has to be the dude whose idea this was, right? Like, he's a guy who looks and sounds enough like Steven Tyler to, I'm sure, have everybody tell him, hey, you should be in a Steven Tyler tribute band. And he's like, dummy, that's, that's Aerosmith tribute band, not Steven Tyler. What are you, dummy? And they'd be like, oh, goddamn, man, just... Stop yelling at me, all right? So, so, and the other thing too is that the Steven Tyler guy, he's older, and I think he's kind of losing it, you know, on the high register, uh, you know, where they didn't play Dream On or any of the more challenging songs, which is probably a good idea. But I just wonder at what point do you have that band meeting, right? Where, uh, you know, all the guys get together and 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 who who says it first, right? Does does, does the Steven Tyler clone, or as Miriam calls him, uh, uh, Teve Styler, does Teve Styler like step up? Does he take the ownership and go, hey, you know, fellas, I'm getting older and I just can't, like I used to, man. Or does somebody else like go up to him and be like, uh, you know, um, you ever thought about hanging it up? Maybe uh, joining a um, Crosby, Stills and Nash tribute band. Maybe, maybe you could be young. Yeah, because he's got that kind of same cat in a blender type of voice that you do. Sure, you could do that. Yeah, just get a different wig, man. Bust out the denim overalls. You'll be great. Oh, I was I was getting so close to my Patrick Warburton right there. Just bust out your denim overalls. Nope, totally far off. Not even close. I'll keep working. Aaron Sprinkle, which sounds a lot like that character that, um, that Colby Smolder's character does on uh, How I Met Your Mother. Uh, anyway, so, so many unanswered questions from the Aerosmith tribute band. Of course, the, the biggest one I'm wondering is, a, is, does, is the power struggle similar to, um, to the real band, you know, or is it like, you know, the drummer, the guy who's really into this and everybody else just kind of like, yeah, all right, I'll wear the wig, why not? I could use the money. So again, still, still not again, still, I am obsessed with the bathroom, right? Like, I, 
I am I am in there. I'm shitting. I'm shitting in the bathroom at work. And and honestly, they could not make a louder system of toilet paper dispersal to broadcast to everyone in the room. I am shitting now. Right? Because they've got the two rollers that sit on top of each other. And then as the one roll empties, the one on top drops down. But there's, they're always loose and shaking. And it's like a death rattle. It's like a shit rattle that you're just shaking like crazy every time you pull toilet paper out. And at this point in my life, I've just given up. I'm just like, fucking, I am pulling that bitch out like, uh, like I'm trying to start an old gas-powered lawnmower. I'm just like, bring it. Fuck it, I don't care. I don't care if everybody, I don't care if the people down the hall know I'm shitting. I am shitting. Suck it. It's a real, a real turning point in my life. Uh, you know, because what happens is, is the faster I can do it, the faster I get out of there, and I'm on to other things. Alright, so this is going to be a short episode this week. Um, one of the other things uh, that I... Oh, so I, I, I mentioned earlier that I was going to shit on a movie. Uh, I uh, am going to be shitting on... Oh, so... Uh, I was listening to Doug Benson's podcast, Doug Loves Movies, and uh, somehow when Harry Met Sally came up and he said something like, um, yeah, it was good, but uh, it was better, you know, the first time when I saw it when it was called Annie Hall or something like that. And he, and he basically went on to explain that he just felt that, that when Harry Met Sally was very derivative of Annie Hall. And I don't understand that at all. So, so based on that, I watched Annie Hall. I'd never seen it. Not a good movie. Boy, fellas, if you follow me on Facebook, you know it's not good. You know it's not good. Um, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's really not good. Um, it's, first of all, it's disgusting to watch Woody Allen kiss somebody, right? And there's a lot of it in this movie. And then somebody, when I put that on Facebook, somebody wrote like, well, isn't that the point? I'm like, no. What, to be disgusted by, by the actions of your main character? No. Now, I'm not saying all Woody Allen movies are bad, but this movie, I would say, is, you know, more than any, I mean, Sleeper is a close second, but I would say this movie is held up as like his flagship movie, you know, more than any others. And... I've, I've, it's, I, I'm sure this is the case. I'm sure there's another movie out there, but it's rare when I find a movie that I hate everyone in the movie, right? And in fact, oh my God. So there's that, you know, that is that guy. It was in all the Woody Allen movies. Got like their short, tight, curly hair. Uh, he's usually wearing like a cable knit sweater. And, uh, and, and then magically, mysteriously, uh, Woody Allen just decided he didn't want to work with that guy anymore. Boy, that guy's got to be pissed, right? Uh, because, you know, he kind of reminds you of, like, somebody who could have been on MASH, but wasn't. And, uh, you know, and you know by the time Woody Allen dropped him, he was completely typecast. Like, everybody just looks at him and goes, oh, right, you're that guy in that Woody Allen movie. So that guy in that movie is fine. I don't hate him. But I hate Diane Keaton in that movie. She's annoying and psychotic. Woody Allen hates 
pretty much everything and everybody, including himself. Um, and, and he's nuts. And so both of them together as a couple is just fucking awful. Um, the one couple of bright spots in this movie is uh, th- there are some bizarro cameos by people who aren't famous. So, um, well, actually, Paul Simon at the time was famous, and he plays, I, I guess he's supposed to be sleazy record producer. He doesn't seem all that sleazy. He just seems like a nice guy who gets laid a lot. I guess I can't hate him for that. Uh, but weirdly enough, there's like... It's almost like these people, like like Woody Allen knew these people were going to be famous and put them in these roles. Like, um, there's uh, Christopher Walken. So this is 1975. So I don't know what kind of career Walken had. I, I'm too lazy to look it up. Ooh, Colin Hay from, uh, from uh, Men at Work uh, and his solo work. I just love this song. So anyway, um, uh, so at a party that's held that you know Paul Simon is throwing, um, he uh, we just do this pan by and Jeff Goldblum, 1975's Jeff Goldblum, who's not famous, is on the phone. He says like five words, like five words didn't even need to be in the movie. He's like, yeah, I'm trying to get a cab or something dumb like that, and and then we you know move off of him, and it's like. Did that, but it's so weird. Like it's this thing that didn't need to be there, and yet it's there. And it's Jeff Goldblum, and you're like, oh my god, Jeff Goldblum! And then, uh, like I said, Walken plays this weird brother to Annie Hall's. You know, it's Annie Hall's brother, and he says, um, "I have thoughts about driving head on into traffic." You know, and then of course, the cut to he's the one driving him in the airport. Not funny. Uh, and then, spoiler alert, yet again, can't spoil a bad movie, uh, they break up, uh, we flash forward to the future, and, uh, they run into Annie Hall and Woody Allen running into each other in front of a movie theater, and in the credits, and of course they're both with other people, and in the credits, it's, um, uh, you know, woman in front of theater, Sigourney Weaver, and she's like, you know one inch tall on my computer monitor so I couldn't even told who she was I was just looking at the credits for Jeff Goldblum so anyway so that was just oddly you know uh, prosthetic no prophetic yes that's it I don't care what you say I'm gonna keep making my fan fiction my fan art and uh, this time I'm going to be doing it on the game Bioshock Infinite. So if you see a lot of that junk on my Facebook wall, don't be surprised. All right. From me. From the music of Bright Brown. From my terrible impressions. And my fan art. Let's go make something. And let's do this one more time. Till then. Till then.